0: Hello and welcome to Diverse and Inclusive Leaders. This is the show where I speak with the most inspirational and thought-provoking leaders of today and unearth their unique stories of diversity and inclusion to help inspire, educate and motivate others to make the world a better place. Today I am joined by Zephaniah Chukwundam or otherwise known as Zeph. He is the business manager to the CEO in the UK for Microsoft, a household name organization. He has worked within the technology industry now for over a decade and has successfully taken new products, services, business needs to customer and partner ecosystems whilst also doing plenty of international travel and running the employee resource group which is very focused around ethnicity and and grown that significantly. Uh, So welcome to the show Zeph.
1: Thank you so much for having me. Pleasure to be here.
0: Well, it's fantastic to have you here. And I know that we're going to be diving deep into talking about the success of your employee resource group that you lead, Embrace, I believe it is called, and then also talking a little bit about some of the key areas that you're focusing on at Microsoft when it comes to all aspects of holistic diversity, inclusion, belonging, and equity. But before we get into that, it would be really fantastic for those who are listening or watching, whether you... Can Perhaps explain a little bit about how you came to be where you are today in your career. So I know that you started life in Birmingham, I believe, and have really kind of risen up the ranks to take a very interesting path.
1: Yeah, well, I live in Birmingham now, yes, for sure. But I was actually born and raised in in London, and I think that to me that's probably a a key part of it. I was born and raised in London during like the 90s into the noughties and in south london so for me it was very cosmopolitan like Super. Everyone from every type of culture, every background. You know, I went to a school in in a in a place called Streatham in South London. I lived in an, an area called West Norwood, which is like around West Norwood, Crystal Palace, Brixton. So, really, really cosmopolitan area. People from all backgrounds and and races and ethnicities were in my school, or in my area, or my road. <laughs> it was just, it was, it was. That was the experience of of growing up. I think that was a really interesting frame and a really thing that kind of grounded me in just being around different people, but it not being the main focus of the difference. Like the difference was never, or a difference that was used in a negative light. Maybe is the probably the way to say it like, oh, you're from here, so that's negative and you can't do this or you can't do that. Probably the, one of the core similarities I'll say is that we're all kind of like working class. I used to say, we all generally didn't have much. <laughs> like we were just in this area as people around. And so we were grounded and, and bound together by culture. You know, that, that, so to us, it wasn't really typically just the color of our skin. Maybe that determined maybe the food that you ate at home or maybe the languages that spoken at home. But when you stepped out into school and going out with your friends, you were bound together by the culture of, of the day. And then, why well, you referenced Birmingham is that did I did okay at school and, and I went to university in Birmingham to study business and, and marketing. And actually, that was probably my first experience of maybe being less, it being less diverse in terms of the university and seeing less people that maybe looked like me overtly, explicitly, and be more noticeable to me. And then it was really my first, I would say, overt, really experience of experience of racism. (laughs) Like, you know, someone really. He targeted me because I just I didn't know them, you know, just because I looked different, and it was you know, I I played sports, I played football when I was younger, and, and you know I was, I was the only black guy in the football team, and it went out to like a after party, the football team, and we're at this party, and then someone just started making comments on on towards me just because I was I was black, and I, and and it was like the, it really because it, it was kind of shocking to me because it was unexpected. Because I was just, i didn't, couldn't kind of confide. Like, why would you just target someone because of the thing? Anyway, you know, the football team and people around me stood in. I didn't even have to do any work there, which is the power of allyship, right? They—they just—they—they they dived in and they were like, "Oh,
0: God. oh get her get her out of the party!" Oh, yeah, that's unacceptable! Oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> and all of these, these, these type of things. And then as I went on and came into the corporate world, I think that's where you really start to experience some of those 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 differences and you start to feel it more. Like I know maybe from a gender perspective when maybe you're the only female in a room or maybe you're maybe in terms of leadership of positions. But for me, generally at all levels in a corporate organisation, I was typically just the only person for a black background in, in the room. And that disconnects, I think. And uh, and when you combine it, the, the conversation of culture, there was also something that I didn't really, I couldn't really connect with the things that were being said as well because of the differences in, in culture. And I think at that time, when I first entered, I felt that kind of core difference. And, but yeah, I was over to just a pivot, do good work, push on, had great people around me, great mentors and coaches, people that just believed in your ability and your potential and what you did and the work that you delivered. And over time, great sponsorship and that and led to me being asked to lean more in on our UK diversity journey and inclusion journey specifically around the topic of of ethnicity and that led to me taking on and and leading what we call an employee resource group specifically related to race, which at the time actually wasn't, you referenced, you called called it Embrace. At the time it was called the BAME group and what we changed the name actually in the past 12 months or something like that. We could talk about that later if you want to as well. (laughs) So yeah
0: definitely something to dip into and I love the fact that you have mentioned so many different details in that introduction from London to Birmingham to you said bound together by culture right at the beginning and I thought that is just such a beautiful way to put it because culture means so many different things to so many different people there was never that knowledge of being different perhaps when you were back in the London days and it's almost been a gradual process and You know, certainly something that resonates with me personally, much in the same way that I was adopted by white British parents. We went to international schools in Hong Kong. We moved to the UK, to Yorkshire, and suddenly you realise you're different, but it's not until later on down the line. So you've almost gone back to front with it. And then seen as you've entered into the corporate working world, this hierarchical structure, which again, You know, similar to myself, even though I was observing those within the corporate world and the levels of the hierarchy, but it's like the higher up you go, the lower and the lower the diversity, be it race, be it from, you know, different socio-demographic backgrounds, you know, being it from working class backgrounds or, you know, looking at gender, so on and so forth. Clearly, you have risen up the ranks and it's, it's great to be able to see that and also to see yourself, whether you see yourself as this or not, But clearly as a real model or a role model, as some may say, within the firm, which I think has led very much so to this uh, this this driving and numbers that you've seen really growing within the embrace group. But talk to us a little bit about that, because it almost sounds quite serendipitous that the personal story is then interwoven into to what you do on a day to day basis.
1: Yeah, I think, and you said a really sort of tonne of interesting things there, like, around culture. I think, like, basic business tenets that you learn, I think it was Peter Drucker that said, you know, culture eats strategy for breakfast. And you had to talk about what is culture. And a lot of organisations will talk about, oh, we need a positive culture. We need a, and, you know, and we <laughs> okay. we need a culture like this, we need a culture. Like, but, you know, that word of culture is really key because those are, like, those maybe written, maybe unwritten norms and values that are defining the way that people can behave in certain environments in a certain way to get to a certain outcome. So those, that, that culture thing is really, really important because some people will say it. And, and we call that in, in Microsoft, like the espouse culture or the espouse norms and espouse value. But is it actually the lived experience of people? And then to your other point about maybe going on the journey, of course you knowing that you're black and you know you think, but it, it was never weaponized or negatively used in ignorance for a detriment. That's, that was a thing when growing up. Sure, of course you knew that. Yeah, you, you, you're, one of your mates was from India, one was from China, someone was mixed raced, someone was whatever, like whatever. But it was never weaponized or. It was never turned into a place where now you felt like because of that, you're now at, at maybe at a disadvantage. And maybe that was wrong. Maybe I didn't feed it at the time because I just felt like we we're all in the same boat going toward towards something. But then when you come into maybe corporate structures, that's when people across maybe all of those kind of strands of the way that you know you kind of look at your the index of diversity start to kind of feel like, hold on, when I look at the data, when I look at my experiences, when I look around me, maybe maybe these attributes that of course seem to be like working against me here like they're not they're they're definitely not working for me i mean that's 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 the thing that people start to 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 think so you know i think we're now pivoting it to the erg group as per your question like what was the journey on that in microsoft like a lot of businesses we have employee resource groups aligned to you know specific um, elements of diversity and inclusion you know just make sure we pair those words together and we have in Microsoft UK, we have a Families Employee Resource Group, a Military Employee Resource Group, a Women's Employee Resource Group, an LG, LGBTQIA plus resource group called Gleam. We've got the Disability and Accessibility Resource Group. I hope I'm not forgetting any of the, any of the, the groups. And then we've got the Embrace group related to, to race and ethnicity and, and culture, actually. And you know, when, when I became the chair of it two years ago, we are really at the, the beginning of that journey. The group, and I was inspired, and this is why I, I was inspired to be the chair, one by our current CEO, Claire. She was the one that really pushed me, and she asked me a core question one time. She was like, you know, what's your experience of being in Microsoft? And I don't really see, I don't see people that look like you, referring to my color, obviously. I don't see, I'm not seeing a lot of it like, what do you think? Like, what what can we do, What, et cetera, et cetera. And then, her and some other people just encouraged me to be more active. And there was a group of interns at that time who come in and they were just like, we need to, they were so passionate about it. We need to inspire the next generation. We need to, Zeph, can you get involved? And so we, so I did, took up leadership of that group. And, and when I took up leadership, it was about, I think we were about 30 people in that group, 30 people. and then, And typically what we did was we'd do a lunch and learn around some key moments in time, you know, maybe Black History Month or... Diwali or something like that. Um, and that was it. But as of today, you know, we're, we're about 540 people in, in the in the group. We In the last three months, we delivered 23 events, 23 things that we did from Diwali to Black History Month to Lunar New Year. We just actually did a session on personal brand today as I'm speaking in collaboration with LinkedIn and growing your personal brand. We touched over 4,000 employees. Microsoft all up, you know, we have employees from outside of the UK joining. And then externally, I think when we look at our numbers, close to about 1,800 people from external organisations, partners, students, whatever it is, customers, other people also took part or participated in something that we we put on. So really proud of, of the journey and the, the impact that we're, that we're having as, a, as an ERG.
0: I'm not surprised that you are proud of our group because to mobilise those kind of numbers from something which was so embryonic to where it is now, I mean, it's a real testament not only to the power that these groups have, but also to the personal experiences and and voice that you put behind this. And it's easy to forget almost sometimes how important Things like this are and representation is to future generations of leaders who see yeah. this as an absolutely core and staple part of why they come to work. I mean, right yeah. now we've got five generations in the workplace and that is starting now to be dominated by millennials, millennials and so on and, and so forth. And that is coming up as one of the absolute top facets of importance to them. is the purpose, what the organisation stands for, what the people in the organisation stand for and why. But there's also a broader school of thought with employee resource groups, or they're sometimes called business resource groups. They see these as a real strategic priority to businesses. And I love that so much because you've almost seen them evolve over the years from this, you know, nice to have, oh, it's a little you know, coffee routine morning, basically talking about something which is a nice random thing to have, but it's not, it is so core and vocal to, you know, even ESG strategy. Yeah, it's just yeah. amazing.
1: Yeah. I mean, e- e- ERGs, if you really concentrate on them to make them successful, you know, we just talked a bit about culture. They are your carrier. They can be a carrier, one of the key carriers of culture. Like You, you think your leaders are carriers of culture, your managers are carriers of culture, And then you've got that hidden influencers, those people that are really core to your company. Maybe they might have a big type or maybe maybe they don't. I think ERGs are also like the torchbearers and carriers of culture at scale to a group. Like, you know, people would just because I said something through the ERG, people can consume that and and take it as a reflection of. The, the of the of the company like you know so they're real carriers of culture so if you can really get focus on those groups to get them right to make sure that you're aligning the work that they're doing with the work that you're doing they're pushing you you're pushing them in the right way and partnering with the business they're so key like they're, they're, they're really key to just helping you land the culture within your company to help get feedback from the company as well, to get feedback from employees as, as well, to attract talent, to retain talent, to grow talent, like, you know, in your organization. The amount of messages I get, are, like people saying, especially that you think about Leila, like we've been in lockdown for two years, coming up to the two year anniversary of lockdown, you know, and people haven't been able to, to connect like they normally would do, like randomly meeting someone in, in the canteen or in the coffee queue or something like that so you've got these ERGs putting on these things that have enabled them to grow their network in a way that they wouldn't have done maybe outside their core team so even in this world they've become even more important just in terms of making people feel included diversity included and then I love the way that you always say belonging as well like they're so caught in that and if you kind of just see them as a Uh, just something nice to do, you're kind of missing some of that goodness that you can get from them.
0: Absolutely. It's the network, the ambassadorial piece, the how you describe it, it's almost connecting on a deeper level, which is the sticky piece that binds the individuals and also the customers to the company. We as I'm sure many do without sounding like a, a Microsoft advert here, use the and know the Microsoft brand so very well. But to know and to hear firsthand from the culture carriers, which I love that expression within the organization, how important this is, it makes you feel a deeper connection yes. with the brand and what that brand ultimately means. And you talk about you know, 4,000 people, be them suppliers, customers, et cetera, et cetera. That is no small number by any stretch of the imagination. That has a significant amount of power. And know, again, you mentioned feedback, the feedback loop in today's fast-moving modern society. It's a necessity. Yes. You know, we, we as customers have expectations, and those expectations are rising and rising in line with corporate organisations and, and what their brand means and, and, and such. And so really is something that businesses can and should be seeing now as strategic business vehicles and part of the societal aspects of the environmental social governance footprint that is is bigger now than it ever has been
1: frankly you gave gave the data point at at the top around like millennials and them wanting to be tied into organizations or give their time you know what they do to organizations with purpose like all right fine I get paid, or whatever it is, and I have a job. But I want to do that to an organization that's driving a wider purpose that is that does care about the planet in terms of sustainability, or does care about diversity in terms of race, ethnicity, gender, does care about inclusion in terms of accessibility, like whatever the facets, and that you you want to talk about in in those ways. And I think so. That's another reason why these groups are like the almost the obvious way. Like the obvious and the, like, you know, it's the most tactical. It's like it's a tactical way to expouse and execute on your purpose. Like you know, someone goes, "Does like does Microsoft really care?" There, you know, someone comes to you. Does Microsoft really care about ethnic diversity, or does really as really care about gender diversity or accessibility? We don't even have to explain it to them in a deck, or we don't have to say. We can say, "Hey, by the way, there's this ERG group. Why don't you go and speak to the ERG group, and they're going to tell you everything they're doing." So tactically you almost you tie someone immediately into maybe whatever their passion is immediately without having to do a lot of like pitch decks and you just wait and see like just believe us like really that like execute like tactically could be like hey like they've done these three four things and here's something that you can get involved in so really really important
0: If i could be a little provocative for a moment if i may because clearly there are always people that say hey well what are you really doing and hey it's microsoft i bet they've got loads of money to throw at something like this now i know that you started this with little to nothing and I, I, I'm pushing on this point because I'd love organisations and others who are listening in, or maybe the cynics listening in, thinking, "Well, one of these employee resource groups, we best start one of these." But I bet that's a lot of time and effort. Talk to us about some of the milestones that you took in order to grow this before it perhaps had some of the, you know, the financial resources behind it that it did to start with.
1: Yeah, I'd say look for the first. This is yeah, year three, so the first two years one and a half years, there was no financial backing. Like, you know, it was, and it was still two points. They might say it's time and effort. Yeah, I think it is time and effort. It is time. It's definitely time. It's definitely effort. Like any good thing, like you, you need to put some some time and effort. It can't just be like, oh, we're just going to solve this. Someone kind of just do something and, and then you've got to put the time and effort. But, you know, the way I thought about it was kind of just business approach to it. It was kind of like build and scale, you know, how do you grow it? And what very simplified, I think a lot of people like now if you I gave those stats at the top oh we've done 23 events the last three months and then people hear that. oh my gosh like I, I, can't, I can't do that but you know my tenant at the beginning of when we first started with our small team was just pick a few things and be really do really execute really well on them and my used to my thing was like we have to prove to other people that there's something worthwhile that they should join in because once they see that they will join in and then we get scale. And that's why you see those numbers now. I remember one day, I think, I was on a call and it was probably about a year ago and they were like, oh, I loved what the Embrace ERG did with X, Y, and Z. I had no idea what they were talking about. So (laughs) that to me was the day that I realised, wow, we've got real scale because... I know one of them, the leaders on my team was executing on something and it landed up somewhere and it was really excellent. And that, that meant that we were growing that way we were growing and we were doing things. But it wasn't always like that. It was very simple. We had three things that we were going, going to go after. We wanted to prove to the community. Uh, these were the things that we, we said we wanted it to be predictable, simple and yeah, predictable and simple. Those were two things I would say regular. But, you know, we would show up every month with a team's call. And we would know that every month this, there would be some kind of a community call. We picked our three key moments and times and we said that these three key moments time we're just gonna do one, two, and three. We're gonna do that. And then we're gonna post something in the channel, in the teams group, every portion of X, Y, and Z. And we're gonna keep doing it. We're gonna keep doing it. And so people are gonna think that this is really good. Okay, they're there. Uh, there's something real that exists there's something real and then we had one marquee program which one of the interns developed it was a mentoring program for university students so we launched this program we had we said hey, anyone wants to help build this program it was to mentor in the first year 10 university students so we got 10 mentors from microsoft and 10 students and it was a year-long program and the second year we said we're going to do 50. and so all of a sudden tactically 50 people could get involved in doing something this year, Leila, it was 220. <laughs> but do you see, imagine we started with the, uh, oh, what a massive mentoring programme. We're going to do like 200 people. Like, oh, well. But you know, over time, it was super simple. Like 10, 10 people is quite easy to do. You know, 10 mentors. Then people, that was really cool. That was really successful. Let's make it 50. We got 50. And now everyone's really bought in and with 200. So that's what I would say to anyone listening and thinking about ERG. Don't think about all these big things. Just pick one thing, pick two things, make it predictable, make it simple, and focus in on it and show other people that it's something that the organization cares about, that people care about, and it happens
0: love how you have described that it's making me think about expression I don't know whether it's an expression I've made that up in my own head actually from little acorns to big oak trees grow it's easy to look at the huge amount of stats behind things and be slightly scared off by them but the rhythm and the cadence which again I'm sure you found this throughout diversity inclusion belonging and equity is sometimes just the most simple thing you said just showing up Oh yeah. The, cadence, the heartbeat we find often and it, you know, it can be quite emotionally taxing, I think, sometimes for those who are in diversity inclusion and thinking, oh my goodness, we're pushing, we're pushing, we're pushing all the time. But keeping up that rhythmic piece is so important. Because at least it is showing and it's demonstrating that commitment, which is is clearly what you've done, you know, going to do the one, two, three method really simply, really easily and following that has, has led to this, you know, incredible abundance of enthusiasm and drive behind it but I love the mentoring program as well I think that is superb and reverse mentoring is you know it is one of the most effective tools that, that we've seen especially for learning journeys back and forth between seasoned execs through to those that are coming through into the organization both of which have got significant amount uh, significant amounts to show and t- t- to learn from I guess from from each other from these different generations.
1: Yeah, we we did that in Microsoft as well. Re- really impactful. Since we did the senior senior reverse mentoring, awesome. Like you know, a couple of sessions, commitment from from our senior leaders, and and they said, like you say, it's always two way. Like you know, the learnings the learnings are there, and we've had great stories from our mentoring program. People coming in and and getting jobs, not just in Microsoft, like just in, in tech or just somewhere else, and had one, I think it was yesterday, someone was telling me about someone who got their internship based off some of the mentoring they were doing. Actually, there's a lady that is works at Microsoft now as a graduate, and she's the business manager in, in the Embraced leadership team, so supports me closely. Her name's Hibag. And she came to an event that we put on as like a final year student. She came up to me, like afterwards, like I'd spoken, she was like, oh, he's firing, really I'm thinking about something XYZ, just come to this event randomly in our office in Padden in the evening. And I was like, okay, yeah, speak to this person who was one of our recruiters. And here we are, we always tell that story, you know, three years on. And she's you know, she's, a, she's a graduate working in our business applications in, with financial, big financial customers and now helping again to pay it forward, doing the same thing. So these things are really impactful. <laughs> they, we could create and they change people's lives. And you talked earlier about me- mission and purpose. If anything, if if I go and do something else, one day I decide I'm going to go and go to an island somewhere and open up a little coffee shop or something. I don't know. At least I can (laughs) reflect back on all the, yeah, you did great business stuff. I can say, well, you know, someone because of something that we decided to put on was given their opportunity in a great organization like Microsoft, multiple people or in other organizations as well. So just it's just great to be able to be able to do it and change people's lives, actually.
0: Indeed, it's, it's sending the lift back down is, is what you're describing. I think that you know, those are the moments from careers and, and, and stories that, that you really remember. And you've also spoken there to a number of things, which was actually in, into one of my next questions. With why should people join employee resource groups? Because it is obviously something additional. But to your point, it is everything that is great. Everything that is good and meaningful usually does take time and effort, and it's outside of the day job. But there've been people that found opportunities, a way to differentiate yourselves. If people are listening and thinking, hmm, you know, what's the pull for me to join an employee resource group? What would you say?
1: You you know, I'd be answering two ways. I would say one: if you're running an employee resource group like me, one thing that we've done as a leadership team is we've created what we call. Pathways or entryways into the employee resource group. I think we have five, that's off my, off my mind. And we structure them from like, we give them level, level 50 to level, make up number 200. I need to have the slide deck in front of me to rem- <laughs> remember, remember it. But essentially, you know, when so, like, one, I think that the, the group has to make it easy because of people have the intent, they, they want to do something. And then sometimes we don't make it easy. Like, what do I do? Uh, I, I'm interested, and there's no answer to the interest. So, we tried to structure it where we said, you know, at a basic level, just go on your learning journey. So, we have our SharePoint. We've got some resources. You can go and read a PowerPoint or a Sway presentation about Lunar New Year or about the Holocaust or about Black History Month. Just go on a SharePoint. Like, you know, we've got a recommended list of books across all cultures you want to go in and, and things to watch on TV, Netflix, but like, you'd like. Go, Knock yourself out. You don't have to tell anyone. Like, so you've you started your journey. That's and that was that's provided. The next one we say is, Hey, we've got an active Teams group. Join the Teams group. That way you see when we're posting about say that way you see when we're doing an activity or an event. That way you see a news article that's posted. So you're you can be a active or inactive person, but you're in the group. You're in the tent, you're in the huddle, you're hearing the information going on. The next way we have is that we have what we call just the V teams that come up, the pillar that are delivering on the mentoring program. They're delivering on delivering a great Lunar New Year experience for the organization, delivering our marketing, join one of those V teams. They meet every couple of weeks and they have tasks and they'll say, Hey, help us put together the PowerPoint to go and do this. Help us go and talk to a customer about why they should care about this stuff. Like, Whatever it may, may be, volunteer. There's a there's there's a school that wants a couple of people to come and inspire the young people. You're in the group. Join that. Go and do that. That's active. So th- there's your third option. Another one is to say, come and work really closely with Zeph. <laughs> like you, you might enjoy that. Like maybe you do, maybe but maybe you want to volunteer yourself to to lead an initiative that like you really want to commit time. And then I, then you get to that question later. What you said is. For me, this has been one of the most fulfilling experience, and the most like, I've learned a ton. And yeah, I said at the top, we were called Bain before, and you know, the, I heard to people say, "Oh, the Bane group and people of Bane backgrounds." And I used to be like, "What are they talking about?" You know, <laughs> I'm blackboard in England, and my parents are from Nigeria. That that is completely different from someone from Southern Eastern Asia, or, or someone from India, Pakistan, or someone from. You know, whatever minority ethnic means in a context of whatever, like, it's just <laughs> they're completely different experiences. And so for me, I had to go on that journey as well. Like, you know, because people used to, they look at and you, said something interesting I thought was really powerful. Like these, these things, when you're in DNI can be quite emotionally taxing. I used to get all these questions all the time and people would expect you to know all the answers. And so I just really was used to be honest at the top. And I think this is something that, that all leaders or anyone can do. So you don't have to know all the answers. And you can get it wrong, but if you do it in, I believe to most people in the genuine intent that I'm trying to learn, I'm trying to be curious, I always say to our team, to my team, is that like, just extend grace to people. If someone, if I always say, if someone joins one of our calls and they make a comment that is a bit weird, it's a bit, they, uh, I always say to the team, they joined the call, didn't they? Like maybe they made a mistake. But being on the call to me is a step that they're trying to learn something. So we we might say, try and do think about it like this, but the curiosity, the wanting to learn, the willingness to learn is key. And I think I went on that journey as well. I had to be really curious all the time and be like, I don't know the answer to that. What do you think? I don't know the experience of someone growing up there. I don't know the experience of someone being there or being there. So I I think I I went on, on, on that journey. So I think there's just something about the experiences you growing as a person, you being more empathetic to other people's scenarios, situations, backgrounds, you growing your knowledge base of cultures, of the richness and the diversity. It's beauty in the diversity of the cultures. Like, you know, just open up your mind. That's why people love to travel. You know, I get to travel every day, every week by being a part of the ERG, by hearing people's stories. They take you on their journey and they take, your, take you to the place that they've come from. So I've really, really grown on that. And you know, for all the people that are listening in, whether your position as a manager, a leader, or you know, you're in play, maybe you're not managing or leading people. You're just on your whatever you're doing. Just by joining it and just adding to your knowledge base, you can always make a difference. I had a call just today, actually. He was—he's a white, white, white guy, and he's he's married to a Korean person from Korean background. And I've known him for a bit, and he reached out to me, and he was kind of like. During COVID, he was exposed to things. He saw his family exposed to things that he never really considered because of, you know, COVID and people, you know, the the Chinese virus and all these kind of comments were coming out. And he was just talking about, he really, it pushed him to go on a deeper learning journey. And then we just started talking about the power of allyship. And I said, the fact that you just were curious now to just like, Why did they say that? And he started to see things that maybe before he would have been closed-minded to. Uh, Now you have the power to be an interceptor in the room. Now you've got the power to, to stand up and say, no, I think that's wrong. Or you did that and that's not appropriate. And it's another voice as opposed to the person that's under that pressure saying it or someone else. And that just happened because you were exposed to new information. That was it. The exposure to new information shed light for you. And now because of that exposure to new information... You can go and pay it forward you can go and help someone else so i think you know if anything just that one bit of information just exposure to something new is going to help you just be a better human being it's going to help you in this world there's all these things that are happening just to have a bit more impact can you just be 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 something in someone's life that just changes the t- trajectory of, of what they're doing the experience The the outcomes the output and i think that that's just anything that's a couple of reasons why i think you should join the erg
0: so many rich pieces in what you've just said there and i'm thinking to myself where do i start bame i'm so pleased that you mentioned that Mm. it's you kind of sound a bit like a disease, I always think. To oh, hey, you and I are both BAME, actually. It's uh, why? Why are we talking about BAME? Inclusive language is so key, yet being able to accept that sometimes the presence of someone in a space to learn is actually more important than getting it right, because none of us know everything perfectly. We're only human, aren't we? I couldn't simply understand the experience of a black person in the same way that you couldn't understand the experience of being a female person and there's nothing wrong with that mm. but the curiosity to learn and to shape our lenses is, is what is so value add mm-hmm. that allows us to really open our minds and to really shape our thinking. You mm-hmm. mentioned Lunar New Year there a number of mm-hmm. times it's, it's Year of the Tiger which I'm pleased mm-hmm. about because that's that's my, my year and clearly you're looking at a number of different areas within what was the Bain group for Black Asian minority ethnic, which covers a whole plethora of different cultures now to having changed it to Embrace. It just shows how language really does evolve over time. You know, you you started talking about culture right at the beginning, and that is something that is living, it's breathing, it's sleeping, it's changing, it's evolving over time. And you can see that that's happened, not only in the name of the group, but in the learnings that have happened and you know, the, the great power of allyship uh, with people coming to tell you their stories. And that's just, it's so great to see. It's so great to hear.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, storytelling is so about. Well, we actually created a series, which is one of our most, our most popular series, called Our Stories. And it, we we gave the floor to the community to come and tell their stories about their culture and their backgrounds. Because the stories, like you were just saying there, is what brings it all alive. It's what brings the cultural experience and the, the diversity and the mix and the journeys and. The struggles that lead to victories, and sometimes the struggles that are still ongoing, or whatever it is. But we actually gave people the platform on a monthly basis to tell those stories, and we just heard some beautifully powerful stories. People told stories about their parents coming in as as immigrants, or you know, the where where they were just growing up. As there was one story, is like someone mixed raced in um, in Essex. And not really being around people from the black side of the family and, and then that change in that experience. There's all these mixed of stories. But again, they just help us to grow and to help us to become better allies and to help us to better understand other people's experiences
0: like the it's like the waterfall effect if that is an expression but while you're sharing stories straight away it makes me want to share and I say oh my goodness that resonates there and suddenly this snowball gets bigger and bigger and everyone is sharing and it just creates that really wonderful safe space yeah. now I've just looked at the clock and realized oh my goodness I'm just enjoying okay. the conversation so much I <laughs> we should do a part two at some point yes. I'm, I'm booking you in for it right now um but i'd love to just ask a couple of lightning round questions if okay. i if i may uh, for a bit of fun i'm going to give you 30 seconds to answer each question first and foremost what does diversity and inclusion mean to you personally
1: well I, I, the the best kind of explanation i've heard about it is diversity is I think maybe it's common. I don't know, but diversity is being invited to the party, by inclusions being being asked to dance at the party, uh, and I think that was a great expression and a great kind of summarization of it. To me, it's like no matter what you look like, no matter where you're from, no matter you know your output or out thing or whatever the thing might might be, you're judged on in that scenario or in that place. Your ability to produce and to do what's needed to do for that particular space, right? That that's it. And it's not at the line to any of those things, and then you're able to do it. Like you can, you can be like, oh yeah, yeah, like about what you think about or do or believe in or whatever you think. But then when you come in, you're constricted, and that I think that's tied to culture, or piece of the top culture. You know, you can say it, but then will the culture actually allow it? And I think that's the that's the inclusion bit. Can I really? When I brought myself, can I really? be free to express and to dance to deliver on the reason why you you brought me to the party in the first place.
0: That's a belonging aspect. I love that quote by Werner Meyer, but you've articulated it so well and, and given it this real kind of colourful meaning as you as you explained it just there. And I wonder how about success? Well, how would you define success and and what's been your secret or is there one? <laughs> That's
1: a good question. Lord, I, have to, I think success always moves for me but I think generally the tenant of my my life and I and I think you know I did it years ago it maybe a decade ago the tombstone thing like what would you want to write a tombstone and, and I think I wrote that whatever I felt like I was good at gifted at I explored it to its output to the end of the possibilities of what it could have done so when I reflect back I go man you know what I tried, like I really tried those things that I thought I had some kind of gifting or passion in. I, I I took it to its natural end outcome, like that's that's to me the success. I don't think I I think reflecting back on it, when I try to think forward, you try to be a bit like forward thinking. I think that's what I'll care about. I think that anyway. You know, I've got two young children now. Me, I think over time that will probably be an output of what defines my success as well as like what kind of people do they become and. And I think that will be really cool to me. But I think that tombstone activity that I did that 10 years ago is like, yeah, I think I will flip back when it's all wrapping up as it will do for everyone. I will flip back and go, did I just give it all I had for the things that I thought that I cared about? That'll be it.
0: Tombstone. I've never heard of that. I've heard the rocking chair one, but that one's fabulously morbid (laughs) and also. (laughs) And actually, it's really powerful. And again, I mean, I have no shadow of doubt that you have given already some great learning lessons to, to your children. And it's uh, quite philosophical, really, isn't it? When you kind of look back and think, oh my goodness, what do I want to? What what, what would I have been famous for? Or what is on my tombstone? But, but that's uh, yeah, that, that's great, the tombstone. Well, I'm going to use that in the future. And finally, so I wonder, whilst we're in a reflective mode here, if you could go back in time, and talk to your younger self. Maybe it's the, the young Zef back in London, pre-going to Birmingham, or you've hit Birmingham thinking, whoa, hang a minute, <laughs> things are a little bit different now. It's, it's not quite as sort of the culture I, I am used to in, in London. It's a bit of a shell shock for you. What would you say to your younger self or someone who's in a similar, similar position about to embark on this, this corporate journey?
1: Uh, I can't, It's hard to explain, but I think for all people, most generic good advice is there for people to access and actually i think some of the generic general advice that is given is really good <laughs> if, you, if you follow it like follow through on your word executing your job <laughs> do do what you and i think when it come, it comes to a place where what you need actually is a listening air for specific things for, from people that care about you so i think that probably comes down to like get your people that care about you you know, and nurture those relationships and really try to keep following those. Like those people that care about you because they're ahead of you and they're going to say some things and they might not make sense to you. But I think those people, they're going to, they can see you. Like, you know, you can look at someone who's 21, 22 or whatever it is, 18, whatever. And you can see maybe the things that might not be useful to them as they go. Oh, maybe they things that might, but maybe we're wrong, whatever it is. And you can kind of give them advice and listen. It. But no, some people don't listen. Some people do listen. So I think that's it. It's like try and try and listen more because you know, you don't know everything, <laughs> you know, you just like I think that's what you kind of as you go along, you realize you look back, you're like, man, I was so dumb. What was, I, what was I thinking about? But then I say that, and then I'll go, all those mistakes were probably useful to make you the person that you were today, that you are today. So I don't know, <laughs> I don't know say that. I'd be like, those mistakes were pretty dumb, but you know, you're still here, so that that's a good start for you. And they probably helped you to reflect on them. They weren't fatal. Like tried to I've, tr- avoided fatal mistakes, I think. So I'm trying to like, in, in my stuff, trying to make that really punchy and make it really like, so, so I think it's like, you can probably summarize it into find the people that care about you, invest in them. And so they can invest in you, in you. nurture relationships. That's what, maybe that's what I'm saying. Like nurture relationships. Your relationships are going to be really key to the quality and the output of your life, whether it's with your family, your friends, people that care about you at work, and the the relationships that aren't doing well for you, and those people that are poisonous to you, I would say you know just cut them off. <laughs> like you know, don't let them grow in your garden. Don't let the weeds just grow. It's your garden. Let the flowers and the roses and the daffodils and the acorns that turn to oak trees let those sprout up, and cut off the weeds. You know, it's your garden. Out, outroot those and keep your garden tended and
0: nurtured oh that is so philosophical what a wonderful way to end what has been such an insightful podcast so thank you so much for joining me i i I hope that you've enjoyed it and i know that everyone who's been listening in will have learned a huge amount and you know again there's too much to summarize but some of the things i would say that really stood out for me were that actually you know no matter who you are no matter what background you come from you can make a profound difference within the organization in which you're working in and volunteering putting your hand up saying yes to things also not being afraid to ask the question and to be unbelievably curious has really stood out to me from this conversation from many of the things that you've had and you know clearly employee resource groups demonstrated through the example that you've given. I just can't tell you how amazing it is that that started from pretty much nothing to now 500 people. And that is something that everyone tuning in, really can play a big part in it's the journey of these cultural entities becoming real strong strategic business vehicles also a huge amount of fun that actually makes such a big difference in people's lives you can see the passion that you have when you're talking about when you're talking about the stories that people have shared and that's just so enriching why um having listened to this podcast would you ever not want to start an employee resource group or get involved now um so if you are working for microsoft or Indeed, you're working for another organization. You know do reach out, you know reach out to Zeph he's a he's a very approachable guy, as you've heard, and and join in some of the activities because there's something there for everyone. And, and make sure you come back and visit us again as well. If you have missed out on writing anything down or there's been too many things for you to scribble down in time, then don't worry at all because we will summarize everything into the show notes at the end of today's session. We'll also, provide closed captioning and annotations, or indeed, if you're not listening on Spotify or, or uh, on Apple Podcasts, or your favourite podcast, you can also check out the video version if you so wish. So all that is left is me to say thank you, Seth, so much. And do make sure you visit us in the dark Global Network app or www.dileglobal.org forward slash podcast.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me, Leila.